the top of buildings entirely just crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I I really need to leave. So the fences informed me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I I see some people running now. And the opinion of this reporter, if this nation or in fact the world ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. special episode of the Fire and Water Podcast, the official podcast of FirestormFan.com and AquamanShrine.com. We're your hosts. I'm the Irredeemable Shag from Firestorm Fan, and with me is Rob from the Aquaman Shrine. How you doing, Rob? Hello. I'm doing very good. So, uh, kind of a laid-back day for you? Nothing really going on? No, no. I picked up uh, Savage Hawkman and uh, the new Archies, and, and that was about it today. Yeah, I, I picked up, like, All-Star Western, and I think that was really... Oh, wait, never oh, mind. Oh, no. <laughs> Chris, doing a little bit of comedy there. <laughs> Folks, this is a big, big day for us here at the Fire Water Podcast. As we're recording this, uh, the Fury of Firestorm, the Nuclear Men, number one, and Aquaman, number one, have just hit the shelves. Rob and I have them in our greedy, greedy little palms, and we're going to talk about them. So, if you're the kind of person who haven't read these comics yet and don't want things spoiled for us put down the ipod walk away sir you're in the wrong place go outside get some fresh air talk to some people meet a girl do something with your life (laughs) don't spoil the comics for yourself uh if you have read them or you say screw it i like spoilers this is the place to be right now yeah bruce willis is dead that's the spoiler oh wait i'm just thinking about this Something else. Sorry. Darth Vader's his father? No, it's crazy. The sled is rosebud the whole bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Rob, I don't know about you, but I've, I've been keeping up with social media this morning, and um, I had the day off anyway. Thank goodness, because I wouldn't have got any work done. It, it's, I mean, Twitter has been insane with stuff flying everywhere about Firestorm. I haven't even really been able to go over and look at the Aquaman stuff. Is it going crazy equally, I assume? Yes, it is. My my little phone here is just there. It, just, it literally just lit up right now telling me about another Twitter message. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, we've had a heavy week between the birthday thing on Sunday and then uh, the, the, the release of Aquaman number one today. It could not have timed out better. So, yeah, it, Twitter has uh, gone uh, aqua crazy. 
I and by the way, belated uh, happy birthday to the King of the Sea and uh, fantastic job on your site, folks. If if you didn't check that out, go over to Aquaman Shrine, look up the post from September twenty fifth. Is that right? Yep. And uh, this is an amazing post. Well, you know, I'll let you tell them about it, Rob. Well, uh, it was uh, six months in the making. No, uh, well, actually about six months in the making. Basically, it's just an amalgamation of quotes uh, from 70 years of Aquaman. Uh, I, I guess it should be accurate more around um, 50 years of Aquaman because I don't have any quotes from the Golden Age people. Um, but it's just a series of quotes uh, by people who have had some connection to Aquaman over the years. And uh, it's not just comic not I don't want to put just in quotes or anything, but it's not just comic book people. It's also uh, Norman Alden, who voiced Aquaman in the Super Friends, and um, Daryl McNeil, who uh, uh, was an animator on the Super Friends, and um, uh, Mark Gudelbin and Paula Nelson, who played Aquaman and Mira, respectively, uh, at the uh, DC uh, Heroes SeaWorld show. And, That's wild. Yeah, that blows and, me away. And hers was one of the best quotes. Oh, I love. I, first of all, before I forget, I have to thank Mark Tyler Nobleman, who uh, did these amazing series of posts. I think it's like like ten posts, all about the SeaWorld stuff. He tracked these people down. I, I can't. I, I mean, I was never able to find any of these people. He found them all, and found photos. And I mean, he did. An, if you haven't got his blog, is called Noble Mania. So if you're ever interested in SeaWorld, the SeaWorld shows, he will give you more information than you ever wanted. Um, <laughs> but I have to thank Mark because without Mark, I would not have been able to find these people. I basically went to him and said, can you give me the names of the people who you think are have like maybe the most connection to Aquaman and Mira? And he helped me find these people. Um, and uh, yeah, Paula Nelson who played uh, Mira, her quote – uh, her quote is is gorgeous. It's funny. It's warm, and it came it came with a photo because um, again from Mark's site of her dressed as Mira, and she's like she's standing next to her fellow SeaWorld superheroes, and they're all looking off um, off uh, off to the side, but she's looking in the camera and winking. Yeah, I fell in love with her. I, I... retroactively fell in love with her when I was ten. I never saw that before, but. I, I saw that picture myself, and I was like, uh, "Wow!" It was just—it's sexy, it's cool, hamana, it's amazing. Hamana, hamana. I, I just <laughs> like when I was when I was eight or nine, like I had my crushes, which was like Valerie Perrine from Superman the movie, and Jane Seymour from the Sinbad movies, and from James Bond, and and like so there was like that group of women that I was just like I didn't know why I liked them. I just know that I did. Um, <laughs> I was like, wow, I like Miss Tessmacher. I don't know why, but I do. Um, had I seen Paula Nelson as Mira in live action, I just would have been like, I, I, I don't know what I would have done. I just I would have like maybe gone into puberty right then and there as a show. Reached puberty in, in yeah. rapid rapid success. Yeah. Oh, 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 this show is great. Um, <laughs> I, I just so and and just the fact that like thirty five years later she's still so into it and she calls herself Mira and like she made the joke about I hope you have like a BP spill free year. That cracked me up. Like, I'm just so in love with her now. <laughs> so um, so we got them. And we also got Alan Richson, who played Aquaman on Smallville. Um, That's right. That, that, was, was, that was a good quote, too. Yeah, he was great. He was great. He's, he's, uh, he's a very vocal supporter of Aquaman. And So anyway, I don't even spend so much time on the show talking about my thing. But it was a, it was a lot of fun to put together. It was a big team effort. Um, Joe, one of the signed correspondents, Joe Slab helped to get the word out. He got us placed at like Newsarama and LA Times. I mean, he really 
busted his back to get the word out. And it paid off because, um, as I mentioned, that was that day. Uh, well, the following day, Monday, was the Shrine's biggest day ever in terms of how many hits we got. Really? Yeah, in, 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 in the four years and like 10 months that we've been around, 11 months that we've been around, we cracked the record for that day. Congratulations! That's Thanks. phenomenal. Yeah, so uh, it was. Very, I'm very proud of it, I, and and it uh, it got us noticed by a bunch of people who don't normally notice us. We'll get more into that later on. Um, I was going to say I saw. Uh, <laughs> Look like Jeff Johns tweeted it. Yes. Uh, again, we'll get into that in a moment. Um, <laughs> Roger, Roger that. <laughs> um, but no, it was it was a lot of fun. I'm very proud of it. Um, um, and I thank Dan Didio. Dan Didio gave us a quote. He gave us a quote an hour before the the post went up. Um, he sent me, that, that surprised me. Yeah. He sent me a thing from his phone. <laughs> he was like, I'm sorry. I missed it. And I said, no, 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 we still have two hours left. Send me a quote. So he sent me a quote like from his phone and it, it came in like an hour before the post and I just slotted it in super fast, got it up and there it goes. So that and we'll, felt be, nice we'll be bidding that phone number, uh, yes. on <laughs> eBay, uh, to raise, to raise money <laughs> for complaints, comments about the new 52. Uh, right. here, here's dance or here's dance phone number. Well, um, you know, I guess the majority of what this podcast is going to be today, folks, is we're going to talk about the number one issues. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the story. We're going to give our thoughts on it, and we're going to cover each other's books. Uh, Rob has read Firestorm book as well, and I've read the Aquaman book as well. Yep. So uh, we're going to, you know, it's going to be a nice little sharing session. Absolutely. And if uh, you're someone who doesn't like the amount of Aquaman content in this particular podcast, you might want to tune out at this point. I'm really talking to one person. Um, but he's apparently upset with the fact that there's a lot of Aquaman talk, so you might just want to uh... – basically, we're going to start with Firestorm. You can listen to that part, and then I guess just turn the show off after that. No, no, don't turn it off because that particular person uh, – we may, we may have a little bit of time for some uh, listener comments. We might have to talk about that person. Well, he needs to come back then and later on. Maybe we'll, I'll put like a break on it so he'll know when he can just skip the Aquaman part and then come back. Okay. So. Breaking the fourth wall, he's actually texting me right now. Okay. So. <laughs> All right. Um, Folks, I've got in my hands, I've actually got two copies of The Fury of Firestorm, The Nuclear Man, number one. Uh, one is my pristine copy I just bought from the comic shop, and one is my fa- fairly bedraggled uh, be- copy uh, in silver marker, has written on the front, for Shag Ethan. Oh, well, uh, la-di-da. Yeah, you know, he mailed that to me himself. You know All that right, one? shut up. Yeah, oh, yeah, uh, Ethan Van Skyver, the co-plotter. Yeah, I know, Ethan Van Skyver. Who me else a copy. is it going to be? In advance. You know why? Because he's a nice guy. And you know why? Because I run a nice blog. I don't know about you and your fish blog. (laughs) But Firestorm fan, we're nice to our creators. We're friends with them. (laughs) I'm going to prove that true later on. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was astonishing. Ethan uh, contacted me through Facebook and said, hey, um, do you want to do an early review of the book? I'm like, holy crap, yeah. And so he was very nice. Sent me one. I gave him a review. Um, Anyway, so... That's I'll just, just jump in. That, I'm sorry. That's just good marketing. It on, is on it was, Ethan's part. I mean, that's just a good idea. <laughs> yep. I mean, it was you know he, he specified no spoilers, and I said that's no problem. I don't want to spoil it for right. Oh, absolutely. Yep. So I mean, it was it was very nice, very generous, and uh, also like you said, a very clever marketing thing. Yeah. So. yeah. All right. So um, you know, first page, first panel, first capture box. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Welcome to the five-hour episode. Right. <laughs> Rob will be playing the part of Ronnie Raymond. I'll be playing the part of Jason Rush. Now, um, the comic starts off that the first scene is this really, honestly, vicious, vicious scene 
Uh, it's a group of hired mercenaries, and they're trying to extract some information. And I'm not, again, I'm not going to go scene by scene either, but I just got to talk about this. It's because it's getting a lot of discussion on the boards uh, and Twitter. This group of mercenaries are vicious. I mean, they are horrible people. I mean, it, it, if you've read the comic, I mean, they, they kill a whole family. They kill a boy. Later on, they kill a high school kid. They start shooting in a, uh, high school. They Now, they're not referred to by name here in the comic, but judging the uh, by the original solicitation for the comic, this must be the group called the Dog Team. Um, just a nasty, nasty group. And I think we're going to be seeing more of them as we go through here, Rob. We're going to see if you notice something I did as well about the lady with the Z on her face, the Z scar. Okay. We're introduced then to Ronnie and Jason. Really nice guys. Um, actually, I'm kidding. They both have chips on their shoulder. They're, they're not jerks, but they're, they're, they're typical teenagers. They're very believable. You know, Ronnie is a gung-ho jock, and Jason has got a huge chip on his shoulder about being kind of a geeky and also um, some race issues between, you know, African-Americans and whites. And so they're immediately, there's friction. They're not getting along at all. And I think my favorite page, honestly, the whole book, uh, Rob, I don't know if you have it in front of you or if you can look at it or not. But there is a, a one page, and it's got six panels, and it's split. The left-hand side's Jason having dinner with his dad. On the right-hand side's Ronnie having dinner with his mom. And it is probably some of the most real, realistic dialogue and discussion that I've read in a comic in a long time. It's basically Jason talking to his dad about his altercation with Ronnie, and Ronnie sort of trying, doing the same with his mom. And most of it's about race, uh, uh, whether black kids and white kids can be friends kind of stuff. And it's just powerful. You know, it's really good. And it just, as I read that, and, and also the way the panel layout is, which is like, wow, this is, this is a really good parallel between Ronnie and Jason. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm surprised. I have it up in front of me. I'm, I'm surprised and uh, impressed that they even got into this. You know, that's not something I would have thought, you know, you really tackle much in comics. And when comics tend to cover race, it tends to be <laughs> a little more than ham handed, you know. Uh, so I was, you know, I was impressed that they even went after that topic, and, and especially in the first issue. Yeah, I mean, a lot of shockers here. I mean, again, the race issue, the the killing children, the torture, uh, dog team goes on to torture people. There's one page that, uh, and I I know I'm doing more of a review than I said I would, but I'm just so excited about this. (laughs) There's one page where they show five other firestorms. Um, I don't know if you you have that page, Rob, where it shows like a... It shows a Firehawk kind of character. Yeah, it shows yeah. like a Chinese Firestorm, the, the Russian Firestorm, a British Firestorm, I guess in a, maybe an Arabian Firestorm. Wow. That page just has me totally nerding out. Uh, complete nerdgasm when I flip to that page. It's actually it's up on DC's uh, source blog right now. It's that particular page. So uh, anyway, you get to the point where um, the dog team arrives at the high school Jason and Ronnie are dealing with it. Um, their friend Trev gets shot through the head, which is pretty nasty. And Jason pulls out what's called a magnetic bottle, which he says he got from Professor Martin Stein, hey. who, they, who they say is dead, sadly. Um, and then Jason activates the magnetic bottle, and balloom, they turn into Firestorm. Now, here's the interesting bit. See if you noticed. Um, there, there, there was a woman. Uh, I, I her, her name's Dr... Fortier, who uh, Lauren Fortier, who got caught up in the blast. In fact, there's this shot that everyone has seen now of Jason and Ronnie as Firestorm, and there's a hand coming up out of the ground in the middle. Turns out that hand is Dr. Lauren Fortier, and when we see her hand later, something has happened to her. Do you, do you know the part I'm talking about, Rob? Uh, no. What part? You know, I'm, I'm looking right at it. What part are you 
All right. It's right after Ronnie and Jason have transformed. They're right. beating the crap out of each other. Okay. And there's a, hand, there's a blue hand coming up out oh, of the ground. Oh, I see it. I see it. God help us. Yeah. She's still alive. That yep. Money. Okay. Yep. I have to assume that she is going to be our new Killer Frost. Oh, okay. Because uh, she's blue. There's ice crystals growing around her. I don't know what the Z on her face is. She's got a scar in the shape of a Z on her face. I don't know if Zoro bitch slapped her or if she, you know, maybe they're going to go for a zero degree name rather than Killer Frost. I'm not sure, but it's a, there's something to it. Um, so John, Ronnie and Jason beat the hell out of each other. And then at the end, they combined to form this giant 10 foot nuclear monster called Fury. Hey, you said, the, you said nuclear, right? I did. I did. Work, I actually had to work really hard. Nice job. And he uses the word sweet cheeks, <laughs> which I really didn't expect. Um, another shocker. <laughs> Mel Gibson is Firestorm. Right. Now i got to point out one more thing here. A uh, little uh, graphical nod, wondering if you caught it. Third of the last page. Again, Ronnie and Jason beating the hell out of each other. And they're, it's, it's the page that starts with, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Look on the second panel, right as they blast out of the wall. Mm-hmm. You see who's right above the wall? Uh, I can't really tell. What am I now? That has got to be the mysterious hooded lady that caused the post-Flashpoint. Oh, re- okay. All right. Yep. She's, show- she's showing up in a lot of comics. I looked for her in Aquaman, but I couldn't find her. I looked for her in Aquaman as well. I could not find okay. her. But she I, I've seen her in Justice League International. I saw her in Justice League. I saw her here. I saw her in a couple other books. So she's she's nicely hidden in a lot of places. So that's kind of a cool nod to this new universe stuff. Yeah, it's a fun little thing that they're throwing in. Yep. So that's that's the re- that's the overview of the comic. Um, well, do you want to share your? Since I've been talking for quite a while, and you know, I might as well give you some airtime. Whatever. Do you want to give your <sighs> thoughts real uh, quick? Uh, what? What? I know. I know. Uh, just, those thoughts. Uh, sure. Uh, no, I mean, I I would. I was not planning on getting Firestorm. Uh, it was only what? No, I wasn't. I'm sorry. I just wasn't. Um, but, uh, partly cause you're of, you know, your enthusiasm and, and also just, you know, I, I hate to hear you complain and cry. It's just not folks. It's not, <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not fun. I don't know how his wife puts up with it. Um, but, uh, I, no, I, your enthusiasm for it made me want to check it out. So I was like, okay, let me, you know, let me get it. And stupid me, I forgot to get it at my local comic book shop, uh, all things fun or Berlin, New Jersey. Um, I forgot to get it. Um, I was in such a hurry to get Aquaman that I was just like, oh, thank you, Aquaman, and I ran out the store. <laughs> I, I, I think I knocked over a kid in a wheelchair or something. But anyway, um, but th- thanks to the miracles of the internet, uh, I bought it uh, via DC Comics Comicsology thing, so I was able to read it before we record it, which is great. Um, I liked it. It was it's um, it's very it's very violent, and I think I guess I have to just get over. My whole feelings about, like, I just kind of feel like mainstream superhero comics shouldn't be this violent, just in general. But uh, clearly that ship has sailed, because it's almost mainstream at this point. Um, Wonder Woman had it. uh, Some other books had it. Like, a lot of very graphic violence. And clearly, you know, the, the, the... I guess no one. I guess no one really has a huge problem with it because they keep doing it. Um, you know, nobody's calling for a new Comics Code authority. So um, you know, so obviously it's okay. I, I, I guess I just have to get over it because I just feel like, man, like that first couple of pages with the terrorist group is really nasty. 
Yeah, yeah, the dog team. The dog team. Really, really nasty. And it just kind of put me off a little because I'm just like, oh, I just wish superhero comics weren't so brutally violent. But, again, um, you know, it could be that just, you know, 12-year-olds just wouldn't flinch at that. And when I think about the stuff that I saw, like, in movies when I was 12, I'm sure that the adult me, you know, if I had been an adult at that age, I wouldn't have wanted the 12-year-old me to see that stuff. But I did because that's what makes it cool. Uh, you know, we're seeing stuff you're not supposed to be seeing. So that criticism aside, uh, or it's not even a criticism, it's more just an observation. Um, I did enjoy it. I'm, 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 it's interesting having a whole new world of Firestorm. Like this is not the Firestorm I'm familiar with. Um, right. It was certainly drawn very well. The artwork is, is very nice by, what's his name again? Yeah. Sorry. You're going to say this wrong. You're going to say this wrong. <laughs> Yildare is the best way I know how to say it. Yildare Sonar. Okay. Uh, Yildare Sonar. Um, it's very nice work, very dynamic, colored very nice. The coloring is – I really like the coloring. Uh, I don't say that a lot about a lot of superhero comics because I think that they're not that well colored. I think they're kind of like just, hey, if we can add 97 tones where one will do, we'll do it. Um, but this had a slightly more painterly type feel. I'm trying to look up the colors now. Steve uh, – uh, uh, Bukelato, I'm sorry. Something like that, yeah. Now, let me interject. Part of that is Steve, part of that is Yildare. Because Yildare is actually drawing this with marker and watercolors. Is he really? So, yeah, so when you see just the the black and whites, a lot of the shadowing and stuff's there. Uh, and I don't just mean the blacks, but I mean the grays and the, and the different tones and right. stuff. A lot of that is okay. already there on the page. Okay, I mean, I saw some of the stuff you posted of his on your on Firestorm Fan, so. Um, well, thanks for visiting my little site again. Yeah, oh, no problem. Twice in a month. Hey, all right. Well, that's it. I'm done for the year. It's my time. Right. I mean, you've met your obligation. It's yeah. like joining a book club or something. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but it, no, it's, it looks nice. Like, it's not as garish as a lot of other – I think a lot of mainstream superhero comics are very garish. And uh, this, you know, for, for a book with so many reds and yellows and, like, explosions and crazy stuff, this, this visually I thought was very appealing. Um, so I enjoyed it. Um, I, I, you know – Finances being what they are, I have to like really limit how many new 52 books I can get. Um, but I wasn't planning on getting this one at all, and now I'm like, okay, I'd be curious to come back to, for a second issue, which is not something I expected. So, well, that's a heck of an endorsement, though. I mean, to say if you know if it's something you're interested to try again, that really uh, you know warms my cockles. That doesn't sound uh, right. Yeah, we won't go there. Um, well, I'm glad. To, I'm glad to hear that you felt that way. Thank you. Uh, it, it gets me excited because I, I, I drank the Kool Aid a long time ago. I mean, I'm, I'm in. You know, and uh, I'm very excited about it. I, I wasn't sure what would happen when I read it. I thought, okay, you know, there's a chance here. Being, you know, the world's biggest Firestorm fan, I might be the most critical of this book. Actually, I might be the one to go, no, it sucks. It's different. Da da da. So I wasn't sure what would happen when I actually read it. But yeah, I, I found the moment I just started reading it, I, I was in love. So. Absolutely, head over heels on it. I really liked the way they introduced Ronnie and Jason. I felt like they were very realistic teenagers. I mean, they shot off their mouth like real teenagers. Both of them regretting what they did later. They both have a chip on their shoulder. It just they read like actual kids. And I didn't feel like they were as huge a departure from their original, from their previous incarnations as I expected. Like, I don't know, I was afraid Ronnie would be, I don't know, looking like Justin Bieber in hip-hop dancing or something. You know? I, oh, I didn't know. I mean, he's kid, these kids today. Um, you know, get and, off of uh, my lawn. Get off my lawn. Don't touch the thermostat. But, um, 
but no, I mean, Ronnie was, Ronnie was Ronnie. I mean, he was still a jock, but he wasn't an idiot. And he, there was no inferences to modern pop culture at all. So that made me feel good. He just, he was Ronnie. <laughs> I, I, I had no problem with him at all. And Jason was, you know, he's established as the brains. He's, he's got this, uh, unrequited love for this girl named Tanya that he's too scared to tell her about. And you know what also impressed me? I mean, this thing was 20 pages and they established so much in 20 pages. There's a lot in there. I have to say there is, a, there is quite a lot in, in, yeah. in this, in this. A Yildir Aysenar, his panel, in addition to his beautiful guard, his panel layouts are really impressive. Like one of these pages has 10 panels. <laughs> maybe, um, maybe Gail and Ethan should write just as like, <laughs> No. <laughs> Dang. Uh, <laughs> it's out there. It's been said, you know. Sorry, Jeff. Um, so, I forgot where I was going. Anyway, I, ten panels. Uh, they put a lot in there, and, and he's able to handle it. And it doesn't feel forced. I mean, it wasn't until I finished the comic, I was like, wow, that felt like a roller coaster. And I went back and looked through it again. I'm like, wow, they accomplished so much. And clearly, Gail's scripting was critical to this because there's there's so many ideas to get across. And, you know, the trick in comics is always to be as succinct as possible. And they obviously did that. They were able to, to pull that off here. So um, I, I, I'd like to rave about Yield Ray's art some more. I, I don't know um, that's possible, though. I've said so many. I, I think I've run out of, out of adjectives, actually. It's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. He really does a great job. I like his human scenes. I like his superhero scenes. I really love that last panel with Fury, the giant, you know, nuclear beast. He, uh, he's hysterical looking. I mean, he's like, he's threatening and funny at the same time. He's just, he's cool looking. I didn't think I was going to like him at first. I really didn't. Um, and, and I, I don't, oh, this is going to come off wrong, but like, I like Ethan's cover. I love Yildare's art inside. Yeah, I said, like I said, I think that was a, a big, big plus was the, the artwork on the inside. Yeah. Now, one of the things that if, if I had to if I had to find a an issue with this, if I had to pick pick something that I, I had trouble with, it would probably be where Ronnie and Jason become Firestorm. Mm-hmm. You know, where Jason just pulls the bottle out of his out of his locker and bam, they're Firestorm. Mm-hmm. That felt a little rushed and and not as explained as much as it should be. That said, I'm sure there's something down the line where they're going to explain that further, how Jason got the magnetic bottle and why he did and what the professor's ultimate goals was. Uh, so I'm not having too much of a problem with it, but it, if I had to find something, that would be my issue. Now, on the flip side of that, I will say that it was kind of nice that them becoming, becoming Firestorm didn't take a whole comic. It, it served the story very well in that, and that he became Firestorm, and they moved on. It's very, it's very fast. Yeah, it's yeah. very fast. So, and for those diehard, and there's there are a lot of diehard Firestorm fans out there that have a real issue with the reboot. They they don't want anything to do with it. They're saying this isn't my Firestorm. You know, I, <laughs> no, that sentence has never been uttered before. Wow, uh, possibly, possibly it's been typed, but maybe not uttered. <laughs> it's uh, it is very different, and I can see why someone would you know be upset about it, but. If you really look at Firestorm, it's been Firestorm has been about change for a very long time. You know, you go back to about 1987. You know, about ten um, about ten years after the character had been introduced, they started changing the character and haven't stopped. You know, we had the blank slate version, which was the Russian version. We had the elemental version, which we talked about in the last episode. They had Ronnie Solo, then they had Jason, and then they had a different version with Jason, and then they had the Brightest Day. So Firestorm has consistently changed over the years. So I mean, any long term fan 
we're used to it, you know. Now, they did wipe out the old continuity, so that is one more big step to take. But you know what? It makes it a lot easier, too. You know, to remember, there was a lot of continuity burden. And, I, and I'm, I still love the old Firestorm. I'll still continue to celebrate it on the site. But I don't have a problem with this Firestorm. I, I, one of the things I try to say in my review is basically saying, is this the end of my Firestorm? No, not at all. This, this is just a new beginning, a new chapter, and th- this is also my Firestorm. So, there you have it. I mean, there is something to be said for, uh, you know, when you think about, like, you know, restarting a character and and you go, oh, this isn't my version or this is my version. And you think about that, you know, uh, 50 years ago, they did the same thing for Flash and Green Lantern and Hawkman and Adam, you know. Mm -hmm. And, And if you were a comics fan back then and you remembered the Golden Age comics, you would be like, what is this Barry Allen? That's not the right. Flash. My Flash is the guy with the pie plate on his head. What is what is this? Pie so, plate. <laughs> you know, so it's like, you know, every generation, you know, probably deserves its own version of the heroes. And so, you know, maybe maybe I'd be more upset if they did this level of change on Aquaman. Uh, luckily, we don't have to deal with that. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, it's, I, can, I can appreciate somebody saying, hey, this isn't the Firestorm that I grew up with. At the same time, you're like, well, but... You know, a lot of characters have gotten rebooted over the years. If you're if you're going to have characters that never age and and die, then you're going to have to live with reboots. Yeah. Because unless you're willing to kill them off at the end, like you know, like they do in real fiction or you know, in real life, you're going to have to live with starting over at some point. And, and I, I I just want to throw out there just in, about the new Fifty Two in general. Like, I've had some mixed feelings here and there, but when it gets down to it. They did this for us back in 1985, Crisis on Infinite Earths. And if it hadn't been for Crisis – and if I've already said this on the podcast, I apologize. But if it hadn't been for Crisis on Infinite Earths starting everything pretty much over and giving us a chance to get in on the ground floor at that time, I don't know that I'd still be reading comics right now. Hmm. I mean being there at the beginning of everything really helped cement my love for the DC Universe – and felt like I was an integral part. I was there for the beginning, if you will, in the post-crisis universe. And they did that to try and build popularity, ease continuity, and, and you know build readership. And the new 52 has a very good chance of doing that again. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether it will over- increase overall sales, but it certainly might uh, increase reader involvement and it, reader commi- commitment. It certainly started off sales. I mean, starting off, they're doing really well. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, next week's the real test. Next week's the first week of number two. Yeah. Yep. So that's all I've got on Firestorm. Do you want to, you know, why don't we take a break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about that guy that talks to fish. Okay. <laughs> Dr. Doolittle. Okay. It'll be uh, fantastic. Yeah. We'll have a couple of uh, short announcements and then we'll be right back. If you tell me what I want to hear, namely the circumstances behind Superman's supposed demise. What's the matter? Don't you read the papers, Darkseid? You can't always believe what you read. I want the absolute truth. And he shall have it, Firestorm. (laughs) Never underestimate the power of teamwork, my friend. Hello, and welcome back to the Fire and Water Podcast, folks. We're rolling forward here on the new 52 day that's just for us. That's right. We just finished covering Firestorm. We are now going to move on to Aquaman, number one. Um, Rob, you like fish. Why don't you cover this one? 
I don't like fish, actually. They scare me. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, yes, today is uh, the debut of Aquaman number one. The first time the Aquaman Shrine has ever been able to say that. Ever. Uh, I mean, we did have Emperor Aquaman number one, but that's not exactly the same. This is the first time in the four years and 11 months that the Shrine has been in existence that I get to say, I just picked up Aquaman number one. Um, I hope it's the last time. I ever get to say I picked up Aquaman number one, and I mean that in that I hope that this is the last time Aquaman ever starts over. You know, I, let's. I just got to say, and I don't mean to retread old stuff, but every single time I think about that, you used a line in one of the previous podcasts about how Aquaman number ones are like snowflakes. <laughs> <laughs> Each one's individual but beautiful in their own way. Oh my god! But there I still are so many. <laughs> there <Yes>. are so <laughs> many. Um, yeah, uh, you know when you've got. You know, you've got Scooby Doo getting past numbering, uh, past Aquaman. That's just not that Scooby Doo isn't great. Um, but anyway, yes, yeah, so we got <laughs> Aquaman number one by Jeff Johns, uh, Ivan Reese, Joe Prado, Rod Reese, and assorted others. Um, so I guess my first uh, first reaction. I, I mean, this wouldn't be a comic book. Uh, I wouldn't be a true comic book fan if I wasn't just going from my gut and lashing out and, and just sort of not thinking before I speak. So that's, you know, keep that in mind. Uh, I've only read the book, you know, about two hours ago, so it's still fresh in my head. Um, my first instinct is I liked it very much. I liked it very much. Um, clearly, um, Jeff Johns, kind of like we mentioned in the first segment where I talked about violence in comics, like I have to just get past this notion of what I perceive as too violent to be in comics and you just have to accept it. At a certain point, you have to accept what it is and stop complaining or stop reading it or, you know, seeing it or whatever. Um, so it's the same thing. Like, Jeff Johns' storytelling um, is very, very slow-paced. He really stretches things out. And that just does not appeal to me all that much. I just wish, like we talked about in Firestorm, how much happens in Firestorm number one? Um, there's more stuff in five pages of Firestorm than in, like, this entire Aquaman number one. Um, but that's Jeff Johns' style. And so, at a certain... At this point, officially, uh, I'm going to stop complaining about it because that's how he writes. And I can't keep expecting him to write some other way uh, because, you know, I don't particularly like it or, or I have a preference for some other kind of style. Well, I think it's also fair to say that with Firestorm, they had a lot they had to accomplish. They had to get a lot of places before they could introduce Firestorm. Right. Whereas with Aquaman, you know who he is already. So I think this. I think Jeff Johns writes this comic in a lot of ways. More so, it, it's about character and about who somebody is rather than the stuff that's happening. So I think that that might explain part of the reason for the pace in the Aquaman comic. Absolutely. And again, you know, I, I feel like I have to put a constant asterisk next to all of my comments here. Like, I really did like this comic. I really did. I am so thrilled that we've got an Aquaman number one and it's being done by some of DC's top talent and by talent that clearly loves the character. So any comment I make here is really just me talking out loud and, and uh, you know, extemporaneous. It's not meant as any sort of serious criticism or anything like that because I really did enjoy it. I will say that... Um, well, you know, before I even get to that, let me just break down a little bit of what happens. Basically, there's an introduction of a new series of villains called uh, The Trench, which look like a bunch of super nasty demon beasties that come from the bottom of the sea. Um, pretty pretty scary-looking guys. 
And then uh, it cuts right into the, the segment with the police and the bank robbers that we all saw in the, the preview, which is um, Aquaman stopping this bank robbery. And there's an interesting uh, shot. I don't know if you saw it, uh, Shag, or if you saw it or noticed it. But on the, the third page uh, with the bank robbers and the cops chasing him, mm-hmm. you see Aquaman land from the sky. Uh, from a building top. Right. But, I mean, that's a big – that's – but, but right. But then if you go to page, let's see, four, five, six, seven, eight uh, – what is it? Page nine, I think? Yeah. Yeah, page nine. He do, he goes back the other way. He jump, oh, really? He jumps off the ground onto the top oh, yeah. of the building. That's a four- or five-story building he leaps yeah. right up to, now, too. Now, that's new. Aquaman was never generally able to do that. Now, of course, Aquaman has incredibly strong legs because he's constantly swimming, so he would naturally be able to do that. So I love that. I love that John's thought about that and said, well, wait a minute. He should be able to do this. He can't fly because he's clearly not flying. He's leaping onto a building and then leaping further, so he's you know leaping tall buildings with a single bound kind of thing. Um, I, I got a question real quick about this scene and about his strength. Um, when he shoves the trident into the, the, the bank car and flips it, it, it's only like the prongs of the trident that have actually gone in. How strong are those prongs? Like, I get he's strong, but how strong are those prongs on that? On well, that this presumably is some sort of magic trident that he got from Atlanta, so, you know, probably pretty indestructible. Maybe, maybe it's like adamantium or something. I don't know. Um, That's expensive. Yeah, I, I figured the engine block would have ripped out before uh, <laughs> I the thing, but okay. Don't, don't, don't go for look for physics in the DC universe. I, I mean, come on. He breathes underwater. I, I don't know where my problem is yeah, with this, so I should underwater. shut up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a good idea. Um, oh! So, so anyway, um, <laughs> I'm taking over this podcast. Um, so, uh, I, so, there, so then, you know, Aquaman foils this bank robbery. And then he goes to a diner um, and goes to and, and makes a stir there because obviously they're not used to somebody walking in <laughs> looking like what, Aquaman. What, what kind of diner is it? it it's a, a, a seafood. <laughs> it's a seafood restaurant. Seafood place. He orders fish and chips, which I don't. That's I'm like I don't know about that. I don't know if Aquaman eats seafood. I guess he I guess he has to. Um, yeah. They don't really cover it in the comics because you know. It's kind of maybe a touchy subject. He has to be eating seafood to survive. He can't possibly just be eating kelp, uh, <laughs> you know. So have they never, have they never addressed that? I, uh, I think they kind of dance around it a little bit. I mean, I, I don't know, you know, I, I can't say with with any specificity that you know they have or haven't covered it. Um, there was a great. I'm sorry. What were you going to say? I was just kind of imagining him swimming along, with like just reach over and grab a mackerel while he's going and, you know, like a snack. Oh, that's awful. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know what he... But anyway, uh, he eats a fish and chips, but then he gets... Uh, first of all, there's a great scene of these two women in the in the cafe that think he's a, a hottie, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that's great. Um, and then he... <laughs> and then he uh, gets accosted by a blogger. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so, uh, so Rob is... Uh, is Jeff talking to you here? Well, uh, first of all, we're going to have to say this blogger should have the words uh, straw man written on his chest uh, when he shows up. Um, no, I'm not going to suggest that uh, this is uh, Jeff Johns' comment on the Aquaman trend because as far as we know, Jeff Johns refuses to admit that the Aquaman trend exists. 
So uh, I don't think he would know enough about the shrine to be able to be uh, be smirching it in a comic book. <laughs> uh, I think you have to actually uh, know something exists before you can comment on it. Um, I say, crying, uh, trying to smile through the tears. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get sent a free copy of Aqua Number One by the creators. That's all I'm going to say. Well, this guy clearly isn't you because he has hair. Wow, dead silence, huh? Anyway, um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I might just this. You know what? I might just put an end credits there and then end the show. Um, <laughs> but anyway, this this blogger accosts Aquaman and and says, you know, aren't you basically a loser? Aren't you? Don't doesn't and even has a line about how's it feel to be nobody's favorite superhero? Um, and uh, clearly, I'm, I'm having some fun a little bit. Clearly, uh, this is not aimed at the shrine, or I mean, first of all, that's egocentric to even consider that that this is a comment on the shrine because again, I don't know that Jeff Johns even pays attention to what we're doing, but. The shrine is nothing. I mean, you know, by the very title, <laughs> suggests <laughs> that we love Aquaman. We are not the group out there that is besmirching any any version of Aquaman. In fact, we cover every version of Aquaman out there. Um, so this is aimed at everybody else. I feel like he, he's aiming at every other blogger that goofs on Aquaman, not us. So yeah, he, he's totally going after. Everyone who just uses Aquaman as a punchline. Exactly. He even says it in here. In, I think they even use that line in the comic. Um, and this isn't the first time he's gone all meta. I mean, Superboy Prime was right. that as well. He came right. out and said Superboy Prime was supposed to represent um, you know, the fanboys who griped on the internet. Right. And, and you know, it's funny. As I was reading this, um, my first instinct was sort of like, well, why are we covering all this? Like, why are we constantly being told that Aquaman – isn't a loser while we have people telling him that he is and we clearly see that he isn't because it kind of feels like, why are we covering this? We already know all this. Well, you have to take a step back. At least I feel like you do have to take a step back and sort of realize, well, Jeff Johns is not writing this comic book for diehard Aquaman fans. And we know that because as we saw this Aquaman number one is one of DC's best selling new titles. It topped over a hundred thousand copies. Soul. Wow. Right. Really? Yes. So now you think about that. That means <laughs> that 90,000 of those copies are read by new Aquaman fans. Probably true. Because <laughs> I think, you're, you know, your base Aquaman fandom is probably about 10,000, maybe. Um, so you're talking 90,000 new people. And it reminds me a little bit, if I may go a little far afield, it's half my podcast. I think I should be able to. <laughs> is It's mostly – it's folks it's mostly my podcast um wow i mean maybe 51 percent. okay but 49 percent of it's got to be me i don't know the electoral college argues that but okay all right whatever um (laughs) but uh, but um like uh i'm a big bob dylan fan i've been a bob dylan fan for most of like a good half my life at this point i've seen him in concert 18 18 times and yeah and uh, and um like when he does encores, the encores are always the space, pretty much always the same, and they're always the hits. Like his encore is almost always like a Rolling Stone or All Along the Watchtower. Now, if you're a Bob Dylan fan and you've been to 18 concerts, and as Bob Dylan fans go, 18 is not a high number, you're tired of hearing those songs. You're like, I don't need him to do All Along the Watchtower again. I don't need to hear it. Sing something more obscure. Well, no. Bob is playing these con- – as much as Bob acknowledges the rest of the human race at all, he's playing <laughs> – there's no, 
there's, you know, there's, 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 there's suggestions that he doesn't. Um, but, but, but I mean, he's, he's basically doing that for the, the guy who comes to above don't concert for the first time in his life. And maybe will be the only time he's singing a couple of hits for those people, for those people that are here that are new and don't want to hear an obscure, you know, track seven off of an album that wasn't a big hit. They don't want to hear that. They want to hear the hits. And so I feel like Jeff Johns is writing this comic for the 90,000 new fans that he is savvy enough, marketing savvy enough to know are going to be coming to this book because of his involvement. So yeah. he, so he's writing this story for them. He's basically saying, I'm challenging your notions. You're going, your, your preconceived notions of this character. And I'm going to, you know, kind of, you know, hit the nail on the head. It's, it's, it's certainly not subtle, but that's, he's, that's the audience he's talking to. He's not necessarily talking to me or talking to the other diehard Aquaman fans. And that's fine. That's fine. I, I love Aquaman enough to, to be more concerned about, I want this Aquaman comic to be good and I want it to be successful. Not necessarily in that order. And so if, you know, I'm thrilled that Johns is doing it. He's, again, DC's probably name, biggest name writer at this point. And so he's addressing this book for all the new Aquaman fans. And as we've seen now, there's quite a few of them, which is great. So, you know, that's great. I mean, I, I maybe would have loved to have seen a little more action as opposed to, you know, three pages of him getting uh, getting faced by this blogger. But <laughs> Johns is clearly addressing the audience, a new audience. And so I think that was worthwhile. So after that scene... Um, there's a there's a, the, the, there's a great scene. The, the the bumper on the diner scene is great. I won't reveal what it is, um, but it's it's yeah. very sweet. I really like it. Um, it's cool. It's cool. And then he has a scene um, with Mira, fantastic. Um, and he reveals uh, one of his uh, John's reveals his statement of intent in terms of the storyline right in the Aquaman Mira part, where he says, and I quote. Um, talks about not wanting to be king of Atlantis again. And he says, I want a life up here with you. I'm not going back to Atlantis. Let them find a new king. God bless you, Jeff Johns, uh, (laughs) because I am sick to death of Aquaman as heavy as the head that wears the crown thing in Atlantis. It's been done. It's been done well. It's been done poorly. But it's been done. And I think that if you're going to try and get a new audience, you need to make Aquaman more of frankly, like an ass-kicking superhero with some more traditional superhero trappings. And getting him out of Atlantis, I think, is the first big step to that. And I love that he's saying it right then and there. I'm not going back to being king of Atlantis. I was so happy when I got to that panel. I, was like, I couldn't agree more. I, I read that, and it was like, it was like okay, it was, you know, it, this is his statement on what the book's going to be about. This is telling these new 90,000 readers Here's what I'm going to be talking about, and I really like that. I mean, it told you exactly what to expect going forward. It gave me a lot of hope that you know we'll see Aquaman interacting with the rest of the DC universe, and maybe we'll see other characters showing him the respect that you know he's, he deserves. And uh, it's totally. And the scene and the pages are gorgeous with the waves breaking on the rocks. Oh yeah, and, I mean, I, I yeah, I haven't even covered that. I mean, the the, the artwork by Ivan Reese and Joe Prado. Uh, shout out to Joe Prado, who's been a tremendous friend to the Shrine. He was part of our birthday celebration. And the colorist, Rod Reese, as well. They are, they are a couple of menches, those guys. They were, they were just <laughs> fans. 
and, and Ivan Costa. I should throw out a mention to Ivan Costa. He's uh, friends with all those guys, and, and he uh, seems to like have uh, all of Ivan Reese's like original artwork after, right after the books gets printed or something. And he's sent us a bunch of original. All this week, we're running original character designs by Ivan Reese that no, have never been seen anywhere else but on the front. Um, the artwork is gorgeous. It is a beautiful looking book. I hope they can keep this team together. Um, you know, as long as possible. Mira looks great. Aquaman looks great. It, it's a beautiful, beautiful looking book. Um, and then it ends with another scene with the trench, um, giving us a nice, you know, to be continued. Uh, the, the trench is a bunch of scary looking dudes. And, uh, that's the end of the issue. Um, it didn't take me long to read. It took me like three times as long to read Firestorm than it did Aquaman. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, you know, I'm very, very happy with it. And, and this is a great reintroduction to this character. And, uh, you know, it's been a long time coming. We've been, we've been beating this drum for a long time. And it's, it's great to see the sort of the fruit of the spoils. Not that we had anything directly to do with it. Although I like to think we did. I think you had something to do with keeping the spirit up, uh, the fans around the character. I don't think you're responsible for the the hundred thousand sales, but I think that it's fair to say. All right, that, ninety thousand of the sales. Right, right, right. You, you're to, that's totally you. But um, I think it's fair to say that you know the diehard fans they didn't have any outlet except for you for the last several years. So I mean, I, you don't take all the credit away from yourself. Again, you didn't sell the comic, but you kept the fans happy and committed to the character. I like to hope so. I like to think that we kept it. You know, we kept it going for a little while. So yeah, and. It, it's great to, uh, you know, again, just to have it in your hand and be like, wow, we've got a Major League Aquaman number one again. You know, this is great. And like I said, sales topped over 100,000 copies, which is, you know, we have to go back a long time to find an Aquaman comic that sold 100,000 copies. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting that uh, every DC comic, number one, every, uh, every number one of the new 52 has sold out with Diamond Comic Distributors. Yeah. Yep. Which is really, which means Aquaman's going to get a second printing. It means Fury of Firestorm is going to get a second printing. Yep. Um, according to DC's website, it says here, Aquaman number one is the 11th title in DC Comics, the new 52, with sales of more than 100,000. The series joins the sales ranks of previously announced titles, Action, Batgirl, Batman, Batman and Robin, Batman, Dark Knight, <laughs> Batman, 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 Spidey Stories, uh, nice. Batman and the Smurfs, uh, Detective Comics, The Flash, Green Lantern, Justice League, and Superman. Now look so at Flash, oh. Green Lantern, Justice League. And Superman. And Superman. Now look are at, the, I'm sorry, the, go ahead. I'm just saying, it's like, you're seriously high, di- hardcore, diehard Justice League kind of guys, along with 5,000 Bat books. Yeah. And Aquaman's up there. That's, That's phenomenal. Right. That's what I was getting at. It was, it was like, look at that list, except for Batgirl, who you could kind of maybe argue was like a, you know, a, a Batman title. Um, yeah, it is. That's, that's here, here's Aquaman on the same, quote unquote, league with, I, unintentional. Um, Liar. Group, not really. Um, but here's Aquaman in the same group with the other five DC heavy hitters. The five characters that DC has been promoting heavily as their marquee characters. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash and Green Lantern. Actually, Wonder Woman's not even on that list, sadly. Um, ouch. Ouch. Uh, even though it was a good book. Um, but th- there he is. He's, he's standing shoulder to shoulder with Batman, Flash, Green Lantern, and Superman, essentially. 
And I'm like, that's where he needs to be. The character deserves to be there. And, you know, thanks to Jeff Johns and Ivan Reese and Joe Prado, uh, he's getting put into that stratosphere. And that's absolutely what he deserves. And if there's anything the Shrine has ever been about, um, that is what it's been about. And so I'm, 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 I'm so thrilled to see the, you know, the physical proof of that, you know, in black and white. There it is. He topped over 100,000 copies. So Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I was going to share some thoughts on the book real quick. Thanks for asking. Um, what? I'm sorry. Right. What? Exactly. Okay. I got to say, I, I didn't know what I would think about the trench, and I know we've only seen like two or three pages of them. I really like their concept. I mean, the, the, if, if, if you don't mind me blowing the last line for people, I mean, the gist of it is, you know, they're down there swimming, and they're like, yes, it's true. There's something up above. And then the last page, when you see them, they kill someone, and they say, there's food up here. It's like, wow, what a cool idea. Some sea creature coming from the bottom of the ocean, coming up to the surface and realizing there's tasty treats being <laughs> us up on the surface. That's, that's a great threat for Aquaman to face because it, it's just, all it really is is going to be, it looks like, you know, a species acting on instinct, which is the most dangerous thing of all. It's not someone being malicious. It's just a species acting on instinct. And how's he going to deal with that? I think that's a really cool idea. Yeah, I like the idea that, the, again, we've only seen a couple panels of them, so we don't know. I, I tend to get bored with, like, monster-looking characters that talk, like, very proper English, you know, like, that are very erudite and all, like, you know, well, hello, Aquaman, King of Atlantis, and blah, 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 blah. I kind of like him facing a race of creatures that are just, like, sharks, you know? Yeah. Food. Let's go get food. You know, <laughs> that's kind of, that's, you know, he. I'm a big monster fan, just in general, of giant monsters, and so these look like, you know, it, you, we won't be stuck with a lot of boring you know, uh, dialogue of, like, the king of the trench who goes on and on. And man, I don't know, for all we know, John's going to introduce the king of the trench in issue three, <laughs> and all this is invalid. But right now, they look like a bunch of ambulatory sharks. Uh, yeah. And that's pretty damn scary. <laughs> so, And they've got that whole sort of barracuda kind of mouth, you know. And, yeah, and yeah. So, looking great. Uh, I had to point out one particular panel. The, the art in this book is gorgeous, just absolutely gorgeous. And there's one particular panel that really just kind of took me back for a second. I was just like, oh, that's the Aquaman I know. It's during the fight with the bank robbers. They've just shot him in the head. And he looks pissed. Yeah. Because you know, that's what Aquaman looks like. And a little strand of his hair has fallen down on his forehead. And he's kind of looking down. He's great. It's at the bottom of that page where he gets shot. Mm -hmm. And I looked at him like, oh, my gosh. That's the Aquaman from the 70s. There he is. <laughs> I mean, and maybe it's just the bangs. Maybe that's all it takes. I don't know. But, like, throughout the whole rest of the comic, I was like, he, he, yeah, he looks like Aquaman nowadays, but he doesn't look like the Aquaman I grew up with. But this little spot where he's got bangs just was like, oh, it's Arthur. <laughs> so I'm weird like that, but it, I, dug, I dug that. Yeah, it's a great sequence. And I said he looks great. I love that Johns wants to bring him back to the classic origin and the classic look and everything. You know, I'm just, you know, like, it's great. And he's with Mira happy with Mira. I know it's it's easier to write relationships that are troubled because, you know, writing relationships that are, you know, stable, that's kind of, that can get tough to write because it's boring. There's no conflict. But, right. I, you know, after all they've been through, they deserve a little bit of happiness. So yep. I just love that he is like, I want to be with you, Mira, on land. Let's be superheroes. You know, yeah. 
you know, like, let's go. I cannot wait for issue two. I really wish I'm like, man, I wish this book was weekly or something uh, because a whole month in between issues is going to be, is going to be difficult. But that's how I felt about Firestorm. It's just like, ah, I don't know what happens next. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now what is it about the lighthouse that makes Marin not wear a lot of clothes? Because <laughs> in brightest day, you know, when she woke up, she was in her starkers. And, you know, here she's just in a bathrobe, apparently, you know, at least that's what you think. And it's like, wow, she just, she goes casual around the house. Jeff, I mean, you know. Jeff Johns' Mira is a horny little minx. Uh, she, and, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, she's I, always trying to get Arthur in the back end of the sack, you know. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I have I have often professed my love for Mira, so, you know, hey, I'm okay with that. I think we're seeing the real reason why Mira is going to be part of the Justice League. <laughs> Right. Gonna, just got a thing for her. Well, no, I just think that uh, Aquaman's going to be able to get some action up on the satellite as opposed to having uh, you know, Why would, would you go off on a world-saving mission if you had Mira back at home? I wouldn't. <laughs> you know what? I think these guys I can see. handle it. The guy with the ring, you can handle it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> the guy who talks in third person? Yeah, he can do that. Yeah, no, get all that. Uh, I'm really busy right now having sex <laughs> for the 95th time today. Um, right. So, no, it's good. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's great. It's a It's a... It's uh, it's. I love these two characters. Jeff Johns more than anybody else has has helped make Mira a first tier level superheroine, and she deserves to be uh, alongside Batgirl, Supergirl, Wonder Woman, you know. And so that's it's it, the book. The book could be called Aquaman and Mira. Uh, it's oh, absolutely. It's, you know, yeah. I mean, obviously they're not going to call it that just simply because it limits you in certain ways, and I'm sure there's some marketing aspects to it. Well, it's harder to put it on Twitter. It's exactly, longer. You only, you, yeah. you only get 140 characters. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Try typing the Fury Fires from the Nuclear Men on Twitter. That's a real bitch. It's a, um, a tongue twister, that one. The thing about Mara is, I mean, I think she's been ass-kicking and awesome before, but I think it took someone like Jeff John's star power to convince everyone. Absolutely. Yeah, I always thought Mira was a great character, and, uh, you know, I'm happy that, that, you know, that, yeah, he's he's presenting her to, he's presenting her to new fans. You know, it's, yeah. it's right. It's not like she wasn't great before this. He just got her enough of an audience for to be able to see and, and, and highlighted, you know, some of the more some of the aspects of the character that had not, had not been as um, prevalent, the more ass kicking version, yeah. you know, and the tough, hard as nails kind of thing. And, you know, she had to she had to uh, fill in the space while her husband was a you know zombie freak guy eating brains or whatever. Well, and it's. You know, I sat there and said there's been a lot of good incarnations. Also, it's fair to say there's been a lot of weak incarnations where she just sits there and goes, "Oh, my husband," over Mopes, and over. Yeah, a lot of yeah. mopey stuff. Yeah, and she always calls him. She called him husband for years. I didn't get that, but anyway. <laughs> so I, I got a I got a comment on the seafood restaurant. I I was eating lunch while I was reading this scene, and I almost spat my food across the table. I was laughing so hard throughout the, just the fact that he went to a seafood restaurant and then everyone's reaction to it was just, oh my god, it was hysterical. I mean, I totally get what he's trying to say, and we've talked about it already, but it just was a real joy to me. It was a real thrill to me. Uh, I also like how Aquaman, you know, he's, he's kind of got a chip on his shoulder about not being everyone's favorite superhero. <laughs> I mean, he, you know, when he says, the guy says, because he talked to fish, and he goes, I don't talk to fish. It's, I don't talk to fish. <laughs> I mean, it's very adamant. It's bold. It's huge. You know, he's looking out of the side of his eyes like, I'm going to fucking end you, blogger. Whoops. Uh, better throw the explicit tag on that one. Um, and then when he, you know, it just, it's, I like that Aquaman's, it ruffles his feathers, which what makes it even more interesting that after that experience with the blogger, he decides he's going to stay in man's world. You know, it's like, it's like, he's had kind of a tough day. I mean, he, he, he stopped the, the robbery. They made fun of him. 
He went to dinner. They made fun of him. He didn't even get to eat his fish and chips. You know, I mean, he probably knew the fish's name, but he didn't even get to eat it. And then he goes and tells his wife that, you know what, I've had kind of – he didn't say it, but the deal is, you know, I've had a, I've had kind of a crappy day, and I'm going to stay here anyway. Yep. So it, it's like that says even more about him, that he says, all right, I'm going to make this right. That's so. what makes him a hero. He puts up all the abuse. Yep. Batman doesn't have the, to put up with that nonsense. What's that? Batman doesn't have to put up with that nonsense. No, he just kicks the crap out of him. Exactly. Or, you know – Never mind. I'm gonna. That was gonna be bad. Uh, something about teenage boys. Anyway, so I, you are. This pains me much more eloquent than I, sir. So everything you said about Jeff Johns writing this for the new audience uh, and writing it for the, the, the you know the the nine tenths of the readers who are not diehard fans. Go ahead and apply all that to Firestorm and pretend I said it, folks. Because <laughs> it's the same. Face. There you go. Same sort of deal. I mean, Ethan and Gail have crafted in, on the Firestorm side a story that's extraordinarily accessible for someone who doesn't know the first thing about Firestorm or has some preconceived notions about Firestorm and dispels those. So um, great job, both of these books, on really making them a good launch. You know, it's, it's a good chance for anyone to really start these books and to get into the characters for the first time. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a great, a great day for, uh, for the characters, great day for us, great day for yeah. the podcast. Woohoo! Cheers for the Aquaman Shrine and Firestorm fan. All right, sweet. Um, so okay, so I think that is gonna we're gonna wrap up. That's our look at the, the two books. We could both talk much longer, but we're <laughs> we're trying to keep this as as sort of tight as possible. Um, we're doing real good here. We're doing real good here. Yeah, we are. So um, we're gonna end the show as we typically do with uh, a fan favorite <laughs> uh, <laughs> section, which is our listener mail. Um, that is uh, sort of, in my ways, my favorite part of the show. So I, I hope that uh, you guys keep writing in to giving us content to read. Um, we have a couple guys, of comments. Guys, R- Rob needs his ego stroked constantly. I do. So please, if you don't send in the comments, I have to hear about it. I get crying. I then slip money through PayPal to friends of mine and ask them to post and just to say something to stop him. Oh, I crying. appreciate so, that. That's very nice. You should probably spend a little more. It's not really enough, but okay, whatever. Wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> two, two or three great reviews a day is not going to do it. It's a 24-hour day. Um, <laughs> so anyway, we have a couple of comments via iTunes, and then we have a couple of uh, emails that came into our um, our email address, which is uh, uh, firewaterpodcast at comcast.net. Um, so, Shay, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? I'll go first. Okay. Because I'm, frankly, just started listening to you. Uh, this one's from Luke Jacknetti. He is our buddy who is also having a big day today because he writes the Being Carter Hall blog, uh, a fantastic blog dedicated to Hawkman. And Savage Hawkman number one came out as well today. So. Savage Hawkman. You have to say it like that. Savage, Savage Hawkman. Hawkman. <laughs> or, or, as FDR would say it, Savage Hawkman. <laughs> Again, that's another fan favorite is my FDR impression. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. So um, Luke writes in, Shag and Rob, as I write this, we are all one day away from the new Aquaman, Firestorm, and Hawkman comics being released, and I'm chomping at the bit for them. I was never much of a DC guy growing up, but, uh, but during and after college, I've been much more of a DC fan than Marvel. I do not see this trend changing any time soon. Aquaman is a character whom I got into a few years ago, right around the time of Infinite Crisis and Sword of Atlantis. This was also around the time that DC released the first volume of Showcase Presents Aquaman. Big thumbs up on that, by the way, uh, from me, which I thought was a fantastic collection. 
and following Arthur and Arthur and Mara's adventures in Brightest Day. I'm sorry. Uh, and following Arthur and Mara's adventures in Brightest Day, I am very much looking forward to seeing the new book starring the Sea King. Aquaman is a great character, and I'm hoping that being handled in two books by Jeff Johns will give him the same kind of push that Green Lantern and Flash got. Me too. I, well said, Luke. Uh, I don't usually agree with Luke, so there you go. Uh, <laughs> I am less familiar with Firestorm. I remember him from the old Super Friends shows, but at the time, I didn't understand how his powers worked. I remember thinking that Firestar, over on Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends, had powers which made a lot more sense. <laughs> I also thought it was funny he had puffy sleeves. Everyone loves puffy sleeves. I like I liked Ronnie's short time in Kurt Busiek's Power Company, but never got into the title when Jason was the star. But Blackest Night and Brightest Day got me very interested in the characters, and it looks like all involved with the new book are giving it a first-rate effort. And let me tell you, they did. It was a great book. Yeah, nice Shag's commentary. I could I could go on about Hawkman, but seeing this is as this is the Fire and Water podcast and not the Fire, Water, and Wind podcast. <laughs> of course, if you can get Frank over here and to talk about Martian Manhunter along with me, then tell Rob to stay home, you could call the show Earth, Wind, and Fire. But that might bring in a different kind of listener base than normal. <laughs> oh, uh, here's a suggestion for the Aquaman exit tag. Ride the walrus. A little uh, future hum- Futurama humor there for you. Uh, keep up the good work in the podcast, guys. For a couple of liberals, you guys are fun to listen to. <laughs> Thank you, Luke. Uh, <laughs> Thank I guess, you. I guess there's, uh, a P- there's a PS. Uh, I would listen to a Doctor Fate podcast. Bring on the helm of Naboo. I'm sorry. Bring on the helm of Naboo podcast. Uh, I, this is Luke saying he could be my Jared Stevens correspondent. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Luke. I guess Luke is not going to enjoy our. Uh, Rural Electrification Abortion uh, Pro-Gay Marriage Podcast that we're working on uh, on uh, as well. And we're going to be reporting Abs- right after that. Right, absolutely. I got my ribbon on already. <laughs> <laughs> but it looks great. Uh, in addition to doing uh, being Carter Hall, he has a podcast of his own, and I am going to screw up the name. Uh, Earth's Destruction Directive, I believe is the name of it. Uh, it's a, a monster podcast, um, and he does some stuff with a horror film. He does a bunch of podcasts. He's got blogs out there. He's very involved. He's what? definitely looking up, even if he is a, you know, a right-wing what? bastard. What's the name of the podcast? Oh, gosh. I'm going to get it wrong. All right. Yeah, uh, the name of his podcast is Earth Destruction Directive. Oh, because I, I thought that was the Republican Party platform. Oh, oh, snap! You got served, Jack and Eddie. <laughs> wow. Just because I'm a liberal doesn't mean I can't throw down. All right. You know, all right, real quick. Actually, so, it probably does. This this is not going to become a political podcast in any way, shape, or form. So <laughs> Luke don't brought write it up. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't write in with your hate mail for Republicans or Democrats because we will not read it on the air unless it's damn funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh-uh. So just putting that out there, folks. <laughs> All right. Uh, Rob, you've got some of the iTunes reviews you want to read? Yes. Luckily, there's no uh, bashing of our political stripe in these uh, reviews. Um, we've got one from uh, Little Russell B., very sweet. <laughs> Swim with the sharks. Five stars. Great. Thank you. Five stars. I appreciate it. Wow. Episode two was even nerdier. Holy smokes. Uh, I love Aquaman and I know I like I, – I love Aquaman and I know I like some Firestorm. Sorry, Shag. Um, this, Ouch. Is a, Ouch. <laughs> this is a great place to spend my time. Um, I listen to it as I scan photos or draw pretty pictures but, and I laughed out loud a couple of times. This is fun. As you mentioned, my name a few times and my buddy Jason Rush. Not sure if I want to tell him that or not. 
Please, <laughs> please keep me posted when the new Slipknot number one is scheduled to come out. <laughs> I hear it will be by Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor. Thank you for all you do, your pal Russell Burbage. So, thank you, Russell. I appreciate that uh, that email that uh, iTunes comment. He uh, he just stole my joke. Damn. All right. Well, I'll use it next time. You just have the one, apparently. Well, I, 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 I had a very clever way to work Slipknot into the episode, but he did it for me. So, all right. I'll save this one for next time. Is there any right. clever way to slip Slipknot into anything? Really? Uh, anyway. All right. Next email. Um, no, or next. I'm sorry. This one's actually a comment on my blog. I'm not going to read the whole thing because. Uh, That's a whole hour long podcast. Oh, my gosh. But uh, I am going to give our shout-out here uh, once again to Frank, Frank Delano. He's one of our longtime buddies. He is an insane blogger, uh, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart, and a wonderful supporter of our sites and a wonderful supporter of the podcast. Uh, I mentioned him last time. He writes just really long feedback. I'm going to read a little bit of what he's done here. I'm also going to mention his his, um, blogs real quick. He writes a Martian Manhunter blog, which is the idol head of Diabula. Are you happy, Frank? I used your pronunciation phonetic key there. So <laughs> uh, He writes the Power of the Atom blog, which covers Captain Atom and, the, and Atom. Justice League Detroit blog, Diana Prince, Wonder Woman. He has a DC blog lines, I'm sorry, Bloodlines, which covers just about any character that he isn't already covering in his blogs. And his own personal um, place for scary stuff uh, and insanity, a nerd. So... Anyway, so, uh, so Lord, I just, a, the, just the list of his podcasts are like an hour long show by itself. Just blogs, by the way. What did I say? You said podcast. Oh, okay. Just a, I've, all right. I've never actually heard Frank's voice. I kind of imagine it sounds like one of those horror movies where, like, you hear the nursery rhyme kind of thing. That's how I figure he sounds. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I just uh, this is a little bit of bragging for me here too. This is how the comment starts on Firestorm Fam. I got tired of posting responses to both blogs, and you were go- and you were going to get custody of me in the divorce. But I forget, <laughs> meaning Firestorm Fan got custody of Frank Man, in the divorce. I take Frank out on weekends to ball games. I get him ice cream. I let him watch horror movies, and this is what I get. All I hear about is how great Shag is. It's so true. Um, anyway, go, go out to Firestorm Fan. Read all of his comments. He's, he's talking about episode three here. He's got a lot of great thoughts about sex, religion, politics. He talks about Firestorm being canceled. talks about interviews. Uh, he's got a pronunciation questions here that you need to probably address, Rob, because you know these people better than me. And then uh, I'm just going to read the last couple comments. Uh Partially crazy sells me short, and it's both your faults anyway. As many subjects as I would like to cover, I always swore I wouldn't imitate the, quote, the Rob Kelly family of blogs, end quote. <laughs> then Shag got me into blog crossovers, and I mocked up that supposedly temporary Adam blog to allow Damien's participation in spirit with his consent. And once that was done, I had to finally do that Wonder Woman blog. I needed DC bloodlines to ensure I had a catch-all to keep them all from growing any further out of control. Curse the both of you. <laughs> well, thank you, Frank, again for the feedback. Much appreciated. And uh, I look forward to hearing you tell us everything we did wrong in this podcast. <laughs> yes, that we can look forward to that. Um, we have one other iTunes review. Uh, again, five stars, which is the only kind of iTunes review that I want. Um, <laughs> from Professor Allen. Uh, fun, fun, fun. Uh, I have been a fan of Firestorm since buying issue one of the miniseries. Yes. Well well said, sir. Yes, I am old. Uh, what miniseries is that? Uh, he's referring to the first volume of Firestorm that only went five issues. Oh. Uh, a lot of places actually listed as a miniseries. Oh, it really? was te- Yeah, it was technically an ongoing. Right, but, the uh, 70s one. 
Right. But it got canceled after five issues, right. so it, there's no harm in calling it a miniseries. That's okay. for sure. <laughs> that makes it sound so much more gentle than it was just canceled. <laughs> That's right, exactly. Oh, right. no, no, this was meant to end. We weren't canceled after two episodes. This is, <laughs> the, 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 the arc of our story has concluded. Um, anyway. Like the, Wonder, like the Wonder Woman pilot recently. Exactly. Yeah, one and done. Um, uh, and I have grown to appreciate Aquaman recently. This guy's a professor, and he's only just appreciating Aquaman recently. It's because he's busy reading good comics about Firestorm. Oh. Thanks in part to Tom Cater's podcast. Tom Cater has a podcast uh, where he's been reading, um, just not reading like the whole issue, but like uh, basically doing narrations of um, Aqu- Silver Age Aquaman stories. It's a lot of fun. Um, his 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 Tom, his Tom Cater's versus the JLA was hysterical. Yeah, they're they're fun shows. They're fun. Shows. He did the Flash, and now he's on Aquaman. Um, these characters are getting rebooted, so it was a perfect time for their greatest internet fans. That's us to join forces and spread the word about them. And I am definitely a fan of this show. This is a fun podcast full of information, insights, and entertainment. Thank you very much, Professor Allen. That's fantastic. All right. Um, you know, it's kind of funny as we're recording this. Uh, I'm actually getting messages right now from a buddy of mine, uh, Jason H., who said he listened to episode number one and thought it was awesome. Hey, sweet. Thank you, Jason. It's very nice of him. So uh, last letter that I've got here is from Ed the Unique Geek. Uh, Just for those of you who may not have listened to the last couple episodes. And when you say last, this is the last one we will ever read on the show. (laughs) We'll see. Uh, Ed the Unique Geek is a... You know, a listener since the first episode, and he's a longtime buddy of mine, but he is the person who gave us a review on iTunes with only four stars, Ugh. which is absolutely his right to do. No, it's, no, it's not. Anyone – it's a free country, Rob. Anyone can do that. Anyone is what welcome to What the hell kind be, of liberal are you? I'm sorry. Anyone, anyone can be a prick and <laughs> knock their one of their best friends of their entire life, you know, on iTunes publicly. It's perfectly fine. It's okay. Exactly. All right. Here's a letter from Ed. Hey, guys. Ed the Unique Geek here. You know, that asshole who gave you four stars on iTunes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we got the expl- We got the explicit rating. What the hell? <laughs> I'll probably never hear the end of that from Shag. <laughs> you are correct, sir. Uh, anyway, in regards to the Firestorm discussion that Shag was comp- – uh, that Shag was commenting on regarding John Ostner's run, as mentioned in Episode 3. I really enjoyed Episode 3, by the way. I do not consider myself an environmentalist or one who really believes in global warming, but I have to state that I actually enjoy John Ostner's issues 85 through around 94 and then skip to 98 to the end of the series. I even enjoyed the whole Elemental War saga. I say skip to 98 because the whole... Africa storyline was actually dreadful stuff. I recently reread the entire Firestorm series and had a difficult time getting through those particular issues, number 95, 96, and 97. Even looking back when I originally read those issues, I remember not enjoying them way back in the early 90s either. So to what Shag was stating, that the social commentary aspect of Ostinger's writing was not enjoyable by those who are not environmentalists, is untrue. I still enjoyed his writing during that brief run. Also, I want to clear something up here regarding the relationship between Aquaman and I, or the lack thereof. Yes, it's true I am not an Aquaman fan, and Shag has known this for years. However, I will admit that I really enjoyed Peter David's Time and Tide story in a series that started just after Time and Tide 1994. I just wanted to defend myself there. And in my defense of the four-star rating, who said I rated it based on the Waterman discussion? For all you really know, I rated it because of Shag's prattle. So fan the flame while you're catching the wave. Have a better one, Ed Cross, Edward Crosby. <laughs> Again, uh, it's a show uh, co-hosted by uh, the Irredeemable Shag. What did you expect? 
<laughs> you, if anyone, should know what to expect. Yeah, I mean, you know, hey, uh, I, I'm just, I, yes, of course, Ed is free to give us any star rating he so chooses, but you really need to base it on what the show could possibly be about as opposed to, you know. Hey, this show co-hosted by Shag. Why is Shag talking so much? <laughs> Although I am going to try and slowly work him out because I'm the one who edits these shows, so. That's true. I, edit, there's that, yeah. I, there is about an hour's worth of my content that gets cut every time. I yeah, don't know what gonna, that's about. Yeah, we're going to do Rob's like. like, oh, yeah, the audio was bad during that segment. Just yeah. so it didn't work out. We're going to do like 10 minutes of Firestorm and 60 minutes of Aquaman. And then there's going to be a whole other section where it's just me just talking right. about Aquaman. After Shag hangs up the phone, I'm just going to just keep going. So Nice, it's nice. Be fun. The first three-hour episode. Now, folks, if you want to send us feedback, we promise we don't just read feedback from our good friends. We just read the ones that are really funny or interesting. Yeah. So uh, better make sure it's funny or interesting and we're not reading it. Um, That's kind of aggressive. Can... What's that? That was kind of aggressive. Yeah, just a bit. Okay. So I'm just, it's encouragement. <laughs> Management through uh, beating them down. Wow. So... And you've got kids. Okay. <laughs> You can leave a comment on either one of our Facebook pages. You can leave a comment on our blogs. Um, Rob, can you or through? You can send us a thing through Twitter. Rob, what's that email address again? Uh, Firewaterpodcast at Comcast.net. There you go. So send us your feedback, folks, and we'll be more than happy to read it on the show. We really appreciate it. Um, did you have any more, Rob? By the way. No, I think that's going to be it for this episode. I said we wanted to kind of keep it a little tight just to get our immediate thoughts out about Aquaman number one and Firestorm number one. It's a big day, so I think that's going to do it for now. Fantastic. This was good stuff. So, Rob, tell, tell the folks where they can find you on the interwebs. Uh, as usual, the Aquaman Shrine can be found at uh, www.aquamantrine.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter, where the, uh, the, the Aquaman Train Twitter feed has a whole life of its own. So <laughs> if you're on Twitter and you want to follow along what's going on, you can uh, sign up for the Aquaman uh, Twitter feed. And uh, uh, um, also, um, if you are so inclined, if you don't mind, Shag, I do a little bit of a plugging here. Um, the Aquaman Shrine has been doing a thing where we're trying to um, keep the, the, the site ad-free. Uh, because there, you know, are certain like kind of more and more costs going along with creating the shrine in terms of you know, getting content and all this other kind of stuff and all my various uh, paternity suits. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, there's a lot of young Aquaman fans out there. It's all I'll say. Um, so, uh, little, little swimmers, little swimmers. swimmers. So, oh, that's all. So, if you're inclined to uh, maybe want to subscribe to the Aquaman Shrine, you can do that. There's a button on the top right of the blog uh, where you can subscribe for the low, low price of a dollar a month uh, via PayPal, and that will help us uh, defray all the costs of uh, running the Aquaman Shrine, which are more and more now that the Aquaman is uh, out there so much more than he used to be. When he was dead, it was a lot cheaper. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, but anyway, that, that, that's a bit it. That's where you can find Aquaman. Uh, what about uh, Firestorm, Jack? Well, the, the main site's firestormfan.com. We have a pretty active Twitter feed over there. The name is simply Firestorm Fan on Twitter. And uh, on Facebook, we've got a page. It's surprisingly Firestorm Fan. So head out there. Firestorm Fan on Facebook is actually pretty new. So if you want to head out there and like that page, that would be greatly appreciated. We get the word out there. And uh, I'm just trying to make sure I can get information to you guys. All right. And, uh, you know, actually, I should probably pimp some of my other stuff. Outside of Firestorm, I do a number of other things. I have my own blog called Once Upon a Geek, which admittedly is laid fallow for quite some time now. I'll, I'll get to that sooner or later. But I also guest star on a podcast called Views from the Long Box. I'm a semi-regular co-host on that show with Michael Bailey talking about older comics. Also, the Two True Freaks 
do a number of podcasts on comic books and Star Wars and Star Trek and things like that. Great couple of guys. Um, they have uh, they, they run a number of podcasts. You can find them at twotruefreaks.com. They are kind enough to invite me to be on their show from time to time. Usually they're Star Wars episodes, and I'm sincerely appreciative of that. And you can also find me at The Unique Geek. The Unique Geek is a podcast and a listserv. And uh, it's a great place to just catch up on any geek information. It's uh, one of the places I go every day. Is the uh, Are the Star Wars episodes of Two True Freaks where you get to read your uh, Ewok slash fiction? Uh, yes. That and, uh, well, you know what? You wouldn't even know what a hoojib is because you're not deep enough in the EU. Sorry. <laughs> my, my, Ewik, my Ewok hoojib slash fic. We, exactly we now right. have to work that into every episode. Me doing uh, FDR, Slipknot, and hoojibs. <laughs> this show will eventually just be... 90 minutes of us just getting through the endless list of little buttons that we have to just get through. all audio gags. That's all it'll be. Hoojib, <laughs> Little B, uh, Little Russell Burbage, uh, Slipknot. Okay, boys, kill Hitler, and we're done. We're at it. <laughs> all right, folks. Well, thank you for joining us, and uh, we will be back um, probably in a week or two with another episode, and we will talk some more about Aquaman and Firestorm. In the meantime, visit the sites and support Firestorm, fan the flame. Ride the walrus. There it is. And uh, <laughs> say goodnight, Rob. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ride the walrus sounds like a sexual act. It's some sort of <laughs> – no. so don't ride the walrus. Uh, I think catch the wave is good. I think Ed, fan you. the flame while you're catching the wave. I think that's good. All right. Fan the flame while you're catching the wave. So gonna say goodnight, Rob. Goodnight, Rob. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. Stand for truth and justice and see on land and air. Firestorm and Aquaman, they make a super fair. Aquaman. Super friends forever. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Five, four, three, two, Aquaman. <laughs> Shit.